Well, welcome to this live broadcast of our evening service. This morning we didn't have a broadcast. We had a problem with uh, um, with our computer, but well, that's forgotten already. And here we are having a live broadcast in the evening. And this is actually quite nice to do it this way. And um, just once again, welcome to everybody. And wasn't just awesome to become still and just know that He is God. You know, in in the Psalms it's written, it says, Be still and know that I am God. What it actually was saying was, Be still in your works. Be still in what you do for God. And know that He is God. He is the Savior. Isn't that just absolutely awesome? Um, today we're going to get into John chapter 9. And uh, just look at some wonderful scripture here out of the um, just the teachings of Jesus Christ. You know, in this time that I've been basically in bed after the operation, I've um, spent a lot of time just on the internet looking at what different different views um, of the gospel and things like that, and also studied the scripture. And I I looked at a debate between Muslims and a Christian, a Muslim and a Christian. Let me tell you something. Uh, the, the the Christian just his, his argument was just so much more solid, you know. And they don't talk um, from the perspective of the inspired word. They talk from facts, you know. Facts in the we know the Bible is facts for us, and which is the true facts that there is. But they just talk from a perspective of historical facts, and um, you know the Quran was written. And you know, I never thought of these things. I never studied these things. But the Quran was written 600 years after Christ. Now, um, and it gives an account of Jesus and what He's done and everything. And now, many people believe that Quran. Uh, But what would you believe? The people that wrote the letters shortly after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ that walked with Him. Or are you going to believe somebody that said that he had a vision 600 years later. You know, so um, uh, it's just awesome to know the way in which God did everything for us. And we can take this Bible and we can say, thank you Jesus for this Bible, and that it's a, a correct um, account of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Hallelujah. And if we just interpret this with a, from a grace perspective, it will bless us so, so much. Now, um, let's go to... John chapter 9 and verse 39. It says, And Jesus said, For judgment I came into the world. I just want to repeat it. It's John chapter 9 verse 39. It says, And for judgment I came into this world, that they which see not might see, and that they which see might be made blind. Now, isn't that awesome? Now, um, Jesus Christ came for judgment, for certain judgment into this world. And the judgment that he came for was so that those that see might be made blind. In other words, those that thought that they were in light can be placed in darkness and that the light that they are in would be made darkness. And those that are in darkness, that they can receive the light which is Jesus Christ. That's what he came. And he had to be judged about uh, um, in order for that to come. And then verse 40, it says, And some of the Pharisees which were with him heard these words and said unto him, Are we blind also? And Jesus said unto them, If you were blind, 
you should have no sin. But now you say, we see, therefore your sin remains. Now that is just absolutely powerful. He says to the Pharisees, now who is the Pharisees? Who were these people that studied the scriptures? It was people that was of the Jewish nation that made it an effort to give themselves fully for the uh, uh, studying of the law and the scriptures so they can do it as close as possible or according to them then 100% so they can be pleasing to God. That's what they, uh, what they did. And then uh, Jesus said to them when they asked him, are we blind? Then they said, if you were blind, you should have no sin. But now you say we see, therefore your sin remains. So the fact that they, that they were seen as sinners had nothing to do with their works. It says that, uh, it says clearly, Jesus said, if you were blind, you should have had no sin, but now you say that we see. In other words, out of their mouth, they say, we see the way unto salvation. And the way that they saw unto salvation was the law of Moses. Therefore, Jesus said, because you say that you see your way, which was the law way, your sin remains. Now, isn't that just phenomenal? So, the fact that they were seen as sinners from God's perspective, the fact that they were seen as people that were not forgiven and that their sins still remained on them, was simply their perspective. So, their perspective determined where they were. And their perspective was simply we are justified by our works. And that does not justify us. And that's what Jesus Christ said here. Um, And we must come to that place where we realize that the gospel of Jesus should make, and we should come to a place where when we receive the gospel, we must realize that there was a time when we were blind. If you, from the beginning of your life, You know, um, it's like I spoke to somebody, uh, you know, uh, uh, close by, and this person said, you know, they've never been under the law. You know, they've always been in grace. And, uh, you know, to me, that is a sign that you, and, and not that I say, there can be people, I mean, my children can be trained in grace and really understand grace. But most people today, they come from a perspective of a law mentality. And I know the churches that they've been in, and that has been law-based churches, uh, and this person said, man, we've always been in grace. She's never been in grace. He's never been in grace. It is a place where you must realize, there's a, there's a, there's a place where you must realize, I have been blind. And then when you hear the gospel of grace, you come to a place where you say, I am enlightened. I've come to a place where I understand what God has done for me. Now, Jesus said that He came into this world for judgment. Now, I want to just look at uh, judgment quickly in John chapter 12. Let's go to John chapter 12. And we're going to read from verse 30. Jesus answered and said, This voice came not because of me, but for your sakes. Now is the judgment of this world. 
Now the prince of this world, now is the prince of this world be cast out. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. Now just, let's just read this again. It says here, This voice came not because of me, but for your sakes. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. Now when was this now? This was when Jesus was on the world, uh, in the world, when the prince of this world was cast out. Okay, then it says, And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all unto me. So Jesus Christ said, and if you're a first time viewer, maybe some of the faithful viewers of Dynamic Web Church, you've, you've heard this before, but I want to just stretch this. Jesus Christ said that He came for judgment in the earth, and now is the judgment of this world. So when Jesus Christ was on the earth, was the judgment for the world. Now, there is still a judgment to come, and the judgment to come is the judgment for those who were not found in Christ. In other words, who did not believe in Jesus. Now, one thing we must realize is that faith, um, faith is an, is, is an ability. Faith, you know, many people say back, but why must we believe? I believe faith is the manifestation of your will. When we were made in the very image of God, we were made with a will. So we are not like, um, you know, puppets on a string. God did everything for us, but because He made us in His image and in His likeness, in other words, we are like Him, we have to believe to enter into something, because that is the manifestation of the act of our will. And our will, is, of course, it's influenced by the unconditional love of God. Now, Jesus Christ came into this world and then was the judgment for the sins of this world. Now, there's still a judgment to come, like I said, and that's a judgment for those who do not believe. Then was the judgment of the world and then was the prince of this world cast out. I don't want to go into that now. And then he said, if I, then he said, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all judgment, the judgment of men, Unto him, the context of John chapter 12, and you can go and read it, if you read the whole chapter there, the context is judgment. The context is not men, it's the judgment of men. Jesus Christ came, he lived 100% holy according to the law. In other words, by his obedience to the law, um, and by the law, all men were seen as sinners. So he was somebody that he was the only one that stood righteous before God. And he then came to, for judgment into this world, so that when he is lifted up onto the cross, all judgment of men would be drawn unto him. Now, before this in chapter 9, it said, For judgment I came into the world, so those that see might be made blind. So what he's actually saying is, so that the pathway unto righteousness, which was the law, might become a way of darkness. And then the pathway that seemed not to be unto any righteousness, which was um, not trying to obey laws in order to be blessed of God, was being seen as the way of light, which was Jesus Christ. And that was hidden. So it was not known to man before uh, Jesus came and He revealed the true heart of the Father and, and, and who the Father is 
unto us. So, um, let's see it this way. Jesus Christ said very clearly that He came to this earth so that judgment could come to Him, so that He could be judged for the sin of the world, so that we could become blind to the law, and therefore our sins would not remain on us. So, what is the pathway unto righteousness? What is the pathway unto holiness? The pathway unto righteousness is definitely not your righteous works. But the pathway unto righteousness is as if you can come to a place where you can see Jesus and understand that the law and the way you sought righteousness was actually a way of darkness. Jesus said, if the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Man, that is something. And I just realized, you know, today, and I was just, um, you know, I was very disappointed when the, this morning's broadcast couldn't go out because I'm, I was just so in the mood to just preach, you know. So I said, man, I'm not going to make a pre-broadcast. I want to do this live tonight and just preach this message. Because I've come, just every day I study the word, I, I just realize more and more and more that the world needs to hear this gospel. There is no other way unto salvation. There's no other way unto righteousness. There's no other way unto peace. Let's just read Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. And um, just in the light of this judgment. From verse 1. It says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Might be saved. So Israel is not saved. So you are not saved because you are born of a certain blood group or of a certain nation. And um, just, just let's be, uh, um, let's have knowledge of that. You cannot think that there is something special about a certain nation. There is nothing special about a certain nation. And we must know that. And we should not be deceived about that. Now, you might say, Bertie, but why do you press upon this? Now, I want to press upon this just for this reason. If we say that there is something special about a nation, and that they are saved because they are a special nation, um, we are taking away of the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For Jesus Christ came and He died for all men, so that he could make the two one, which was the, 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 the uh, um, Israel and the Gentiles, they could be made one by taking away the law. Because the separation in this world uh, between people was the law of Moses. But when the law was taken away in Jesus Christ, then all people were just one, there was just one man before God. And that was mankind. And all of man was seen in Jesus Christ. Go and read so many times when Paul said that he came to unite everything in one, in Jesus Christ. Everything is united in Christ. When we talk about any nation, you should see him in Jesus. What does he stand in Christ? When we talk about the Jewish nation, what is the Jewish, the, the, that Jewish nation stand in Jesus Christ? Because everything has been united in Christ. So, uh, when it comes to anything, when it comes to your healing, when it comes to your peace, when it comes to whatever situation you're in, what is, how does that pertain to Jesus? 
Because that's the truth about that situation. You know, let me tell you something. Um, when it goes well with you, uh, you know, then you don't live in stress. You are living in joy and you're happy. But when it goes hard with you, or when you get a bad report, let your stress level be as low as what it was when you were doing well. Uh, when you looked at your bank account, you're doing well. When you look at your marriage, you were doing well. Children, you're doing well. Don't fret. Just stay calm because um, the foundation for your blessing has never changed. And the stability for your blessing has never changed. The money that you maybe saw in your bank account, um, you saw it as stability, but you were just deceived. The true stability is Christ and who God is. Amen. That's the good news that God gives us. So, let's just know this thing, that our stability, everything, is united in Jesus Christ. Here he says, Paul says clearly in Romans chapter 10 verse 1, Brethren, my heart's desire and my prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. So what he was actually saying is that they had a great zeal for God but according to foolishness, not according to true knowledge. And um, you know, so many times Christians are caught in that trap where we are uh, caught in a thing where we are very zealous for God. We've got a zeal of God. I mean, or a zeal for the kingdom of God. We are zealous for the things of God. There are many people that are so zealous for God, but it's according to foolishness, and not according to knowledge. And I'm not trying to beat on people, um, and, and, and hit people tonight. No, all I want is that people can know this unconditional love, mercy, and grace of God. That's all that I want people to know. I want them to know this and understand this, and just see the balance of this whole thing. You know, we can't take Old Testament scriptures of sacrifices and, and um, you know, the, the, the Feast of Tabernacles and all those type of things and then say that must still happen. Um, let me tell you something. The only sacrifice that there is that can satisfy God is Jesus and what He's done for you. And if you can see that, and anything else can become foolishness to you. I want to tell you, your sin has been removed from you. Hallelujah. Now, Jesus Christ came to take away the sin of the world, and He did. But we have got access into that by the grace of God. Now, let's read that in Romans chapter 5. Um. Verse 1, it says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That peace with God means that there's nothing between us and God that is not right. Hallelujah. Now, what is the foundation for this? It says, therefore, being justified by faith. So, how are we justified? We are justified by believing what God has done for us. And then it says, we have got peace with God. That peace means to, to be in a place where you stand prosperous before God and you're not indebted to God. 
okay, um, with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. All of that was not because of your great faith, but because of what is done for you. Faith was simply your access into that, and that is what verse 2 says. By whom, through Jesus Christ, we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. So, everybody on the planet already stands in grace. But through Jesus Christ and faith, we've got access into the grace wherein we stand and we rejoice in the confident expectation of the manifestation of the glory of God, which is then later on in chapter 5, clearly revealed as the, um, the glorified body and the resurrection from the dead. Amen. And a brand new planet, a new heaven and a new earth in which dwelleth righteousness. Amen. That is, so we are justified in such a way. So by faith, we've got access into this grace. Now the Jewish people, they did not have um, access into the grace of God, although they were standing in the grace of God, for they did not believe. Um, and, and they had a great zeal for God. And man, I want to be honest with you, I see that in the lives of so many Christians today. Such a great zeal for God. We pray, we fast. We, I, mean, I, I heard this one guy, and he said, um, you know, he fasts, uh, he, he, fast, he was fasting and praying, and he prayed for one year, for 12 hours a day, minimum but he was actually averaging at about 18 hours a day. Prayer. Non-stop. Do you know what? That doesn't make you any more righteous. That doesn't qualify you anything anymore to be used of God. And I want to just say this. That does not qualify you to be more successful and to know more of God. Prayer is needed. And yes, we can pray, but prayer in the New Testament has not become an obligation. It has always been a commandment. You know, you must pray. But in the New Testament, it's an outflow of a revelation, a relationship with God because of the revelation that you've received in Jesus and through the Word of God. So, uh, um, you know, 12 hours, 18 hours prayer a day, that's, that's not what really makes us that qualified before God. Let's go to Corinthians, and we're going to continue here. Uh, let's go to Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And let's, hear a bit, uh, let's just hear what qualifies us. What qualifies us? What qualifies us to... to for more than finances, for more than healing, for more than anything like that, to be a, a spreader of the word, of the gospel. Let's hear this. It says um, in verse 4, And such, such trust have we through Christ to God word. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God who also has made us able or sufficient um, ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter or of the law, but of the Spirit. 
for the letter kills, the law kills, that which the Pharisees that we're reading about stands in, it kills, but the Spirit gives life. Why does it kill? For it can never remove your sin. So I want to say this to you. If you are in the Spirit, if you are in Jesus Christ, your sin has been removed. And there's nothing that you can do to add to your uh, purification or to your sanctification, or to your righteousness, there's nothing. You received the righteousness of God. In verse 3, uh, uh, um, Romans 10, 3, talking about the, the Hebrew people, the Israelites. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness, and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes. For Moses describes the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which does them does those things shall live by them. But the righteousness which is of faith speaks on this way. Say not in your heart, who shall descend into uh, who shall ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who shall descend into the deep, that is to bring up Christ again from the dead? Now Christ in, in, in the in that time spoke about salvation, the Saviour, the one that was supposed to come and redeem the Jewish nation to bring forth salvation. He, 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 the righteousness that's of God does not say what great effort shall I make to bring forth salvation. That's what it's actually saying. It was just a a way of speaking in that time. It was actually saying, the righteousness that's of God does not say, what great zeal and what effort must I do to exalt myself? How should I humble myself with ashes on my head and all those type of things to bring forth salvation? But the righteousness that's of God speaks in a different way. It says, but this is what it says, the word is close to you, even in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. So what it says is, the righteousness of God says this, man the word of God is close to me. I am saved for I can confess Jesus as my Savior. Hallelujah. It's like uh, Jimmy Swaggart says, he says so clearly, he says, everything is in the cross of Jesus. If it's not in the cross, it's not the gospel. If it's not in the cross, it is people that love God, that's sincere for God, that's poured out their hearts for the kingdom of God, and all that thing, but they are ignorant. And, and, and that's exactly what the scripture says here. We cannot serve God in that ignorance. We must come to a place where we serve God on the foundation of true knowledge. Knowledge, to have knowledge of Jesus. To have the true knowledge of what He's done for us. Now, before we uh, continue with, with um, John chapter 9, I want to just read something in Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, it says, And brethren, um, and I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk, and not with meat. For hereunto you were not able to bear it, neither 
Yet now are you able, for you are yet carnal. So what is, what is Paul saying here? Paul said that I couldn't speak to you as unto mature Christians. Why could he not speak to them as unto mature Christians? A very simple reason. For they were carnal. Now Paul didn't change his speech. Didn't change his gospel. He didn't change his message. So many times when I read this for years, I believed this. And even until the other day, I believed this. I believe that Paul spoke to them in a different way, in a lower, maybe more simple, trying to explain the gospel simple way unto them. Um, but that's not the truth. He preached the same message to the babes and to the mature. But to the people that were babes, he spoke unto them as unto babes and as unto children. Now, who are children? Let's go to Galatians chapter 4. Who are the children? Galatians chapter 4. It says, Now I say that an heir, as long as what he is a child, differs nothing from a servant, though he be lord of all, but is under tutors and governors until the appointed time of the father. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world, or that word elements is also the word laws, the laws of this world, which was uh, definitely then the law of Moses. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman made under the law. There we can see that that element speaks of the law. Jesus made under the law. To, the, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. So, Who's the children? The children are those that are under the law. So Paul said, because people are still under the law, even when he preached grace, they perceived it as laws. They perceived it as laws and did not really understand what he was saying, so he was speaking unto them as unto children. Now you might say, Bert, you you can't say that, but let's just go to uh, chapter 2. And from verse 1, it says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech, nor of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything amongst you, save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Now, is Jesus Christ and Him crucified a law message? No, it's a grace message. Listen. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of men's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and in power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Howbeit, we speak wisdom amongst them that are perfect. So, he was saying that he was speaking a simple gospel message. He was preaching a simple, down-to-earth message of Jesus Christ and Him crucified, the message of the cross. That's what Paul preached. But to them that are still children, that have still got a law mindset, that still want to see things from a law perspective, he spoke to them as unto children. In other words, as unto people that are still under tutors and governors. They took that whole message and made a law message out of it. That's what happened. We should never think, you know, and out of that scripture so many times we can twist that scripture. And the reason why I want to interpret it this way for you is very simple. And this is how we started off tonight. The first thing I said was, uh, uh, Jesus said He came for judgment into this world. 
What judgment was it? So that those that see might be made blind. In other words, that their wisdom might be made foolishness. So that that which was foolish might be seen as the wisdom of God, which is the obedience of Jesus on our behalf and what He's done for us. Amen. Isn't that awesome? So, that's what, that's what we said. And that was just, all of that came through a simple message. That simple message was the simple gospel of Jesus Christ. That He became a human being, obeyed on our behalf, died on our behalf, was resurrected, is seated at the right hand of the Father in human flesh, representing me and you, so that we, through faith, can have access into this grace of God and forever be righteous and full of holiness and perfect. Now, to those that are already perfect, in other words, to those that understand this simple message, when they had access into that by faith, when Paul preached to them, it was the wisest thing that you could ever hear and the deepest revelation you could ever find. And the reason why I say this is because you can, we can be tricked into thinking that there's even more, deeper revelation that God has hidden. But that which was hidden, if you now read uh, verse um, chapter 2 there, that which was hidden from ages and generations, which could never come into the mind of a man, God has given unto us and revealed it unto us through the simple message of, it is freely given in Jesus Christ. Righteousness is a free gift in Jesus Christ. The deepest revelation you can ever find in this life, and I want to say this, in the life to come, is Jesus Christ, is His obedience on your behalf, made righteousness a gift through faith. There's no higher revelation than that. That's the highest revelation there is. And, and I've seen it so many times. And, 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 and um, I, I've been at that place where, where I struggle to find deeper revelation. And I found that the people seeking the deeper revelation is actually um, in a place where they heard the gospel in a way where it is spoken to them as unto children. They're still hearing this babes. And here he says that, that he spoke unto them not he didn't give them meat he gave them milk not that there's a gospel of milk and a gospel of meat there's just one gospel and it's the gospel of grace now um, we can maybe next time go into Hebrews chapter 6 where Paul said I will not speak this again unto you but we must go on to perfection and whatever what he was saying to them actually is man I don't want to preach to you anymore that's what he was actually saying I don't want to preach to you anymore. For I have come and I have brought to you the, 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 the milk. You know, which was, there was a time when you saw this thing as, a, as milk. And I tried to explain this gospel over and over and over and over, but you don't want to hear it. But now I'm at a place where I come to a point where I say, you have tasted this now. And you've rejected the gospel. So why will I preach it again to you? But if God permits, I'll preach it again. And let me tell you something, that is the truth. Whenever you read the writings of Paul, he just talks about one thing, righteousness by faith. That's it. When he talks about the glorified body, he talks about the glorified body through what Jesus has done upon the cross. When he talks about finances, he talks about the financial prosperity through what Jesus Christ has done upon the cross. 
When it talks about correcting people that have sinned in the church, he talks about, he says, come with a spirit of meekness. Meekness in the context of the writings of Paul is a spirit of agreeing with what Jesus Christ has done upon the cross. Not in the mindset of the law, lest you fall into the very same trap. That's what Paul said. And I think that's what we must come and realize. That Jesus Christ was judged. And He came for judgment in this world. So that we can become blind to the law. And let's not go to uh, put new eye drops all the time as we become more and more blind to the law. We just, you know, people, this is what they do. They become more and more blind to the law as they hear the message of grace. And then they go for healing classes in how to get their eyes healed to see more of the old way of doing. Now I've said something um, very radical many times, uh, this, this statement I'm about to make, and it's radical, but I want you to listen to me. So many times we think, if we can get around in stadiums all over the world, and get people to pray in one accord there, then God's going to hear our prayer. We take things like, if my people humble themselves and pray, then I will do this, and then I will do that. Man, forget about that scripture. The New Testament is not, if my people will humble themselves and pray. The New Testament is, if they will believe, they've got access into grace. We don't have access into blessing by how people get together all over the world and humble themselves and they bow down and whatever. Now, I must be honest, you know, I've, I've seen many people getting together in stadiums where the gospel is then also preached and people start to believe in Jesus and they start to have faith in Jesus Christ. So, it's not wasted. But the purpose why it, it was done was so that God can give a revival to the nation. Let me tell you something. God has already given a revival to the whole planet. And whosoever, and everybody, let me put it this way, everybody stands in that revival. And whosoever believes has got access into that revival. Which is Jesus Christ that was revived. Man died in Christ. He was revived into a new life of righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And all that we are to do as Christians is to believe that. Amen. And as you are convinced about that, you'll find power into your life to go and spread the gospel. Hallelujah. I just want to say this, everybody that's just uh, um, sponsoring Dynamic Love Ministries, I want to say I am so proud of you. Not to get the money from you. And I can honestly say, I can say this as Paul says this. Not to get the money from you. But the fruit that is in your account. The fruit that abounds to your account. I see the fruit of the gospel. I see the fruit of the gospel. The fruit of the gospel is this. When people truly get the heart of God into them, you find that they start to share the love with others. And... When I see this happening to you, um, I'm so blessed because I see the fruit of the gospel of grace in your lives. Those of you that sponsor television programs, those of you that make a hundred rand a month, fifty rand a month, whatever deposit into this account, those of you that pray for this ministry, those of you that I see the excitement of the gospel of grace on your face and when I phone you I hear that, I am proud in my heart to see that. You are the fruit of my labor. That's just the way it is. 
You are my crown. Amen. And it's so good to see that. That's why I don't want to come to a place where I want to just start to grind people for finances because when I see that, start to grind people for going to spread the gospel and all that. Because when they do that, it's not a fruit that abounded to their account. And their account is the account of faith in Jesus Christ. You've got an account, the account of faith in Jesus. I believe in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And then the fruit that abounds unto that faith is what is so beautiful and wonderful. The Bible says, the will of God that we will bear much fruit. But it doesn't help that there's not faith in Jesus Christ, but faith in works. And now we force people through fear and judgment and all those type of things to start to believe now or start to do things now and when they do things now now we say oh well hallelujah the fruit on your account and the worst interpretation of that scripture is to say that if you do something good for me give me money then you're going to have more money and that is the the worst twisting of that scripture you can ever find that is really uh, I, I mean if that is what you hear when you read that scripture you read that scripture as a babe as someone that's under tutors and governors. So you read the word to hear, what is my governor saying? So when you read the Bible as a child, when I preach to you today as a child, and you listen from the perspective of, what is the governor saying? What is, the, what is my tutor saying? What, what must I now do? If that is what you, the perspective from where you listen, you listen as a child, and I will speak unto you, Milk. Uh, it, will, it will not be solid food. It will not be what will give you true power. Amen. It will not be what brings you into sonship and the, the experience of sonship. But if you listen from the perspective of a son, saying, well, I don't listen from a perspective of uh, uh, I'm listening to my governor speaking to me. I'm listening as a son to hear the word of God. To hear the word from my Abba, my Father God, that loves me, that indwells me, that cares for me, and that will always give me more than enough. And that has given me perfection, that has given me righteousness, that has given me true peace. If that's the, the, the foundation from where you listen, let me tell you something. Today I'm speaking to you depths of wisdom. Hallelujah. And your heart says, Amen. Your life says, This is the Word of God. Amen. Isn't that so, so, so awesome? That is what what God has come to give unto us. Remember, the wisdom that Paul spoke was not a different wisdom to the young in in the Lord and a different wisdom to the old in the Lord. Where your perspective determines what He said to you. Your perspective determines what is said to you. You know, I can say to you that, um, and, and I found it so many times. You know, I, I found, I preach a gospel of grace, man, the solid love of God, like I preach it today. And then somebody would come to me after the service and say, Thank you for telling me what I must do for God. Thank you for just hammering me on my sins and nailing my mistakes. You know, I, I, I really feel beaten. I've had a lady come to me and say that to me. It was long ago in Hermanus. You know, I couldn't believe 
what I was hearing, you know. But then I, and I didn't understand it this way, but thank God um, He revealed to me this way. And that we can come and, and really speak this message. And this is why Paul prayed and he said, Lord, I thank you that you give them enlightened uh, uh, um, understanding, that you under, enlighten their minds, that you enlighten their understanding. What does enlighten of understanding mean? And this is exactly what he said in John there. He says, if you were blind, if there was no light. So what he was actually saying was, that God, that God supernatural in some way, when we preach, will make the law way of understanding darkness to them, and grace light to them. How do we enlighten somebody? By taking away a law mentality. As long as what we've got a law mentality, there's no light in us. You know, I heard a terrible thing. A guy came and he, and he said, um, he said, and, and please don't see this as accusation, but man, you know, the, there's so much of the law message going out. There's so much of the law message just bringing death to the lives of people that we, we can't but have to use some of these examples. You know, the, the guy came and he said that, you know, there was, uh, uh, speaking about finances, and he said that David uh, refused to take up the offering in the, I think it was in the Day of Atonement or some offering feast or something. He, he didn't take up the offering for some reason. I don't know what. But he just counted the people as what he was supposed to do. And then an angel came and he was, and the angel killed 70,000 people. Just with a sword. Just killed people. Seven, then David said to the angel, what is going on? And then he was reminded that he never, the angel didn't speak, but he was reminded that he never gave an offering or took up the offering. Then he said, then he said he wanted to buy a threshing floor to give it as an offering, a very expensive thing as an offering, so that the angel could stop to kill the people. And then the person that owned the threshing floor said, I'll give it to you for free. Then David said, no, you can, I cannot give something to God that I've received for free. I must work for it and it must cost me. And then they use that to tell people, listen man, and bring fear upon people that if you don't give, and this is now that Jewish time of the feast now, if you don't now go and give an offering to that station, then angels can come and kill you. Lord Jesus, help us. That's not the gospel. That is a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. People that really love God, people that love uh, Jesus as a person, but they don't understand the work of the cross. And that is bringing devastation to the lives of people. It's bringing a very weak relationship with God. It takes away your confidence before God. It's like the Word of God says, don't, uh, um, don't throw away your confession. It doesn't mean that we should not, we should now still go walking around the, the, the town confessing and that. The confession of your faith is simply confessing what Jesus Christ has done. Don't neglect your confession. Don't throw away your confession. What is our confession? That righteousness is a gift. Amen. We are saved by what Jesus Christ has done for us. And people, I want to tell you something. And I, I said to my wife today, um, to Helena, I said to Helena, you know, I, th- there's a frustration inside me uh, to a certain degree. And that frustration is not a frustration in my relationship with God. 
but it's a frustration when it comes to, um, to, to, the, to the spreading of the gospel. My vision is not to uh, build a ministry. My vision is to see people hear this grace. Now, I shouldn't call it a frustration. I should call it, should call it an, an unction of God. Or like Paul said, he's uh, 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 um, compelled. I feel that compelling power of God inside me. I want the whole world to hear this gospel. I want the whole world to hear this gospel. You know, if, if, if I preach and I just see two people, um, you know, today I was on the internet the whole day uh, seeing if there's other places in which we can start maybe TV channel or whatever on the web and uh, I start a little thing there and I saw two people slotted in and um, man I was just typing scriptures you know because I didn't have a live broadcast that time I was just typing scriptures typing scriptures typing scriptures because these people could just see it copy and paste scriptures and they just kept logged in they didn't go off they were just reading these things and I would say things like the grace of God is greater than your sin I would say things like God is more interested more interested in you than in what you can do for him would say things like, do you know the sin of the whole world has been taken away? That's why you can come boldly to God with confidence, knowing that He loves you. And that is what the world must hear. That is what the world must hear. I want to preach this, man. And people out there, people that listen to me, that's heart is also in this ministry, pray. Say, thank you God, the doors are opened. That we can go and preach this gospel of grace. Amen. That the support is there so that we can go and do this. And that burns in my heart. That's what I really want to do. That's what I want to see um, in the lives of people. You know, I want to see more and more people like the people of Dynamic Web Church that I said I'm so proud of. That I see that fruit of the gospel in your lives. I want to see more and more people get there. Free from their works. Being used mightily of God. You know, if I see television stations, if I'm off the word now, I'm just sharing my heart. You know, if I see television stations and how people are impacted by what is preached there and what is done there and how great it is and and how, um, you know, you find uh, 10 and 15 and 20,000 viewers per day clicking onto websites and all that, I say, God, that is what I want. God, that's what I want to see in my life. That's what I want to see in this ministry. Because every person means it's somebody that hears this gospel of grace. Somebody that is set free. You know, there's, there's, inside me there's a war against this law system. And it's not because I have cognitively gone and said, I declare war. But the Bible says there's enmity between the spirit and the flesh. And the flesh is not, and I want to repeat this, the flesh is not uh, your sins. You sin because you're in the flesh. And the flesh is because you're in a mindset of works righteousness. Let's not be babes today. But as grown up people, As sons of God, let's hear this message. You know, the gospel says, in the gospel gospel of Jesus Christ, he said that let's go and make disciples of all people. 
And when he spoke that, he spoke that to people that's already received the, 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 the reality of his resurrection. And when he spoke to them, they had an excitement inside them already. I want to go and do something. Then he said to them, wait until you're endued with power from on high. Then they waited in the upper room with a power and excitement in them for only one reason. And that was the spreading of the gospel. And you know what? I want to say this. Um, There's two reasons why we spread the gospel. The one reason is because the Bible says we must. And the second reason is the same one as what the people were there in the upper room. Because they were flooded with God. Already. Then they received the power of God to go and do and explain and spread what is already inside them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I just think that when the true gospel is preached, when the message of grace is preached, when the message, like what I'm sharing tonight, and I didn't even get into everything, an hour's over already, um, when, I, when I just shared this and preached this, and people can hear this, and that passion can come in their hearts, and they can find that they, they, they become like the people in the upper room that waited there for days. Not that I say, wait for days and God's going to bless you. But what I say is, there's an empowering gospel. Don't listen as babes. Listen as a grown-up man. Listen as a son of God that says your inheritance is freedom from laziness. Your inheritance is freedom from carnality. Our inheritance is the very being of God which flows out in compassion to the lost, compassion to the poor, compassion to those who need uh, uh, the gospel of grace. Amen. That we can become busy with things that can really impact the lives of people. Hallelujah. Amen. And this can sound a bit judgmental towards the end, but I'm not judging anybody. All I'm saying is, we've got a God-given right to be like God. Amen. Which we have already received. But we are robbed from that through wrong doctrines and wrong teachings and a wrong understanding of what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. You know, when I'm, when I'm on the channels where I'm busy with the TV channel I want to start, and it's amongst the youth and young people and whatever, you know, inside my heart, it's almost like a, something in my throat. You know, these people, if they see it's a gospel channel, what they're going to think? Because... Because of their perspective of the gospel, what they've heard over years, what the world has seen over years, what they've seen on television, what they see how people beg and steal and squander people's money and what they do. I mean that I think I'm almost ashamed. But I'm not ashamed of the gospel of grace because that's what I will preach there. But I'm ashamed of what has become of the church. And I don't want to blaspheme the bride of Christ. But what has, what has come off the, the preaching of the true gospel? Man, people, we need to come to a place we say, and, and not just come to, we need to realize that we stand in the grace of God and that we've got access by faith into that grace to be a people that impact the whole world. Come on, people.
Let's go and share this gospel of grace. Let's be part in whatever way we can to share this gospel of grace. What about, what if, you know, this is the gospel of grace. This link is forwarded to everybody on your email address list. Just click everybody send. And let them see this. Amen. And if they think you're a freak because you preach the gospel of grace, what can you do? You've shared wisdom to them. That's the wisest thing to do. The Bible says, He that is wise, wins a soul. He that wins souls is wise. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's have this power to a place where where we can say, God, this is so much. It's more for just me and the four around me. It's for the whole world. Thank you, Jesus. I want to just pray for you right now as we've come to the end of this broadcast. Um, you know people just open your heart to the unconditional love of God to a place we say that impact me my God I'm not walking in condemnation I'm not walking in guilt but I'm so flooded with your wisdom and your grace judgment came into this world that I might see the truth and when I see the truth I'm enlightened and then the scripture becomes true where the Bible says you are a city set upon a hill let your light so shine before men that they might see your good works and glorify our Father that's in heaven so good works is the last thing on the list Amen. And even after that is when people start to worship God. But the first thing is an enlightenment of what God has done for us. Thank you, my God, for what you've done. Father, I I just stretch forth my hand to everybody that's watching this live broadcast right now. I just say you are the blessed of God. You, you, You are prosperous. You are set free. Don't be caught in anything that wants to draw your mind to this worldly things. Continue continue, continue in the grace of God. Thank you, my Father. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Eliana's going to switch over to the last song for us. And um, as the song plays, just listen to this. It's just giving glory to God. And if this has touched you, just right now, go there. It's encouraging to me to hear this. And just write a little email and say, thank you, Beth. You know, I've been blessed. If you've got any questions, just type it there. Um, It blesses me. To hear that, you know, um, it's always encouraging. That's why the Bible says, come together. Don't neglect the gathering of the brethren. This is the gathering of the brethren. I've blessed you now through this preaching. But when you speak back, then I'm blessed again. Amen. Thank you for that. And remember this, that you can enjoy God's love for you. Enjoy the song.